Hello and welcome to the Imaginal Podcast. This is a place that protects and explores what we need to actualize our uniqueness. And like the caterpillar who carries its butterfly blueprint in its imaginal cells all the way to the chrysalis and then melts into liquid before it transforms. We too have an inner knowing that can tell us how to make our wings. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. It is Sauce. I hope that life is finding you well. And I hope you enjoy this episode. I have Allison Scott, health coach, back. We have a four-part series. The first two were on the idea of what do you do when you want to quit. And these two, this episode and last week's episode, is kind of a sibling idea. It's what do you do when you feel stuck? And I think those momentary or sometimes longer lingering feelings of wanting to quit or feeling stuck are such a part of the human experience. But sometimes I think we can read them as failure when perhaps there's deeper underlying message or story or something there. And so in these episodes, we've been discussing that and, and, and uncovering those things and talking about how to kindly move through them. And all four of these episodes can stand alone, but we also intentionally have quite an interplay. So if you missed any of them, feel free to go back and check them out too. So, okay, today, part two on what do you do when you feel stuck? And we go quite deep into the idea of perfectionism. Gosh, what a relatable idea, isn't it? (laughs) I think So many people I know, including myself, have dealt with that to some degree or another. And even, well, I actually had a dad who was very much an encourager of not being perfect. And so thankfully, I had kind of an input in that area. But even so, I think elements of perfectionism can sneak up on us and even disguise themselves as something else, like stuckness. And so... Today, we dive into these ideas and also question the validity of some of the stories that we've brought along from our childhood. So if you are feeling stuck in some area or you remember feeling stuck and you have abandoned something or just you might be stuck in the future, (laughs) uh, we invite you to ponder some of the questions that we pose and join this conversation. I am sending you my belief and my camaraderie, and so much compassion in these places. Okay, here's my conversation with Allie. (laughs) Hey, everyone. I'm here with Allison Scott. Hey, everyone. And we are laughing because (laughs) I just tried (laughs) to introduce this three times in a row and couldn't quite get out of my mouth. It's one line, really, but it's perfect because today we're doing part two of what to do when you feel stuck. And we wanted to pick up on the idea of perfectionism and other things that might stay with us from our childhood. And so we, before getting on, we're talking about perfectionism. So it was just, we were both just celebrating the fact that (laughs) we are not perfect. Definitely not. That's definitely a good thing. And I, I demonstrated that just now. So both of us. Yes. In spirit of imperfection, we're going to go on with this episode. And there's actually quite a complex situation going on 
usually. And that's what we wanted to talk about today. So we're laughing about it. And we'll probably continue laughing throughout (laughs) this episode. But at the same time, we're going to bring just, I guess, some of our coaching passion and also some of our individual experiences and a lot of of heart and camaraderie to whatever you might be going through as well. So, Ali, could we pick back up on your story and how perfectionism has affected you? Sure. The perfection thing for me in particular plays into a lot of my behavior. <laughs> I mean, I think that the root of a lot of the things that I do are from my childhood feeling of having to be perfect. And, you know, it came from parents who just expected my sister and I to always do the right thing, you know, not make the mistake. You know, my, my dad used to, if you fell down, my dad used to say, why did you do that? You know, or that was stupid or, you know, oh. and of course, as a kid, you fall down that yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. scrape, scrape your knee and uh, he would just make, I think he, maybe he was, maybe he was trying to distract you from being hurt or I don't think he was criticizing the fact that you fell down. I think maybe he was trying to distract or be funny or sarcastic, but it always, it always stuck, you know, because he did it a lot. Um, mm. And then just the, the expectation of having good grades and, you know, excelling in school and being class president and all the things that, you know, you know, and I wonder too, did, did they have those expectations on me? I don't know. I, I felt like, I felt like I had to do those things. I felt like I had to live up to some, some bar that was set very, very high. <laughs> yeah. Just based on comments that were made all the time, that underlying feeling of like, excel, 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 and don't, don't fail and be perfect. My mom used to say that you guys are just perfect. Like, I just, when we, when we got older and, she was quite old and towards the end, she'd say, you guys are perfect. And my sister and I would say, please don't say that. Like, don't say that. We're not perfect. <laughs> it's just too, right. it's impossible. It's an impossible thing to, to aspire to be. And the, the learning, I mean, you know, who's the queen of imperfection? Brene Brown. Like she talks all about mm, the, I the, love her. Yeah. The, the, all the things you learn in imperfection, all the things you learn from making mistakes. That's what we're supposed to do. So yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to. That's how we learn. And, and uh, it's, it's cool. It's beautiful. It is cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, think about having. A relationship or something with someone who was perfect. I feel like that's not even really we're looking who for in each that? other. Then <laughs> nobody can be that anyway. Well, right? and 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 I we hold ourselves to this like high level, and like, would you ever hold a friend or a child or you know a partner to that? I never would. No. I mean, you'd be so no. compassionate, right? Oh my gosh, don't worry about it. You can try again. You know, when my kids would make mistakes or fall or whatever. Oh, don't worry, you know, get back on the horse, you know, let's try it again, or let's do it this way, or, you know, you're so compassionate towards them, but no compassion for yourself at all. True, true, true. Yeah. Those inner voice. inner voice, yeah, yeah. That, that dialogue of you're not good enough, or God, I mean, I do it this day, I do it, and I catch myself saying, my maiden name is Mitchell, so I'll say, God, Mitchell, you're so stupid, you know, and then I catch myself and go, oh, God, that's so bad, don't do that. Don't don't oh. don't talk to yourself like that. Yes. Oh, Allie, is it okay? I w- would love to stay in this space for a second. Yeah. yeah. Before I 
ask you this. I want to just note that when you were talking and you were explaining sort of some of the things that went through your head or things that you felt, you and your sister, with this idea of the pressure of perfectionism and how how constraining and oppressive that feels, how heavy that feels. And then when you moved into the example of like, what would you do with your friend or your child or something? You'd be like, oh, it's fine. Like, try again. And right. I haven't changed my viewpoint of anybody because of some perceived, quote, failure. I mean, there's no. nothing that ever changes the amount no. of love. In fact, you become more compassionate. Yeah, yeah. And we get to live in relationship with each other. We get to live these lives. We get to experience and we get to love. Mm. And perfectionism can be such an interruptive thing. And yes. so, but there was such a warmth in your voice when you were talking about mm. hypothetically speaking to someone who had made a mistake or whatever. And that's the feeling that we want to have, I think, yeah. you know, yeah. to be embraced that way. And And it's not about like, you have to get it. And if you don't get it, you have to get it next time. <laughs> yes, we can definitely go after things. And that's, that's all great. But yes, this, this idea of we made it mean something. So I, back to what I was just wanting to lean into, when you are talking about this voice that's maybe familiar, maybe there are a few things or a number of things that go on loop that are very familiar things that uh, that you hear mm -hmm. and acquired from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then when you said, you know, oh, come on, why am I, why am I doing this? Mitchell, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And what I'd love to know is a couple things. Like one would be, can we all recognize that voice before we conflate it into <laughs> our own truth? Because I think a lot of times we just hear it. We hear it it's so familiar, we don't even question it, mm -hmm. and we take it as true. We, we define ourselves by that one criticism or whatever. We think we can't, we haven't questioned the validity of it, but before questioning the validity of it, we have to be able to recognize it, and that's right. what you're doing so beautifully. And then I might even add, what if we were really soft, with mm -hmm. that separation, even because sometimes what we do is we get mad at ourselves and then we get mad at ourselves for getting, getting mad, mad at, at ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's totally me. I haven't figured out <laughs> how to put the compassion back in. I, I can catch it, you know, and I catch myself doing it and then I stop and go, stop, don't do that. You know, no, you know, but then to like come back with the compassion piece and say, oh, you parked in the wrong parking spot. Oh, well. <laughs> Or whatever it is. I don't know what it is that I beat myself up on. Stupid. It's always stupid stuff. It's never anything like super important. It's, right. you know, probably worse when it is important, but it's always the stupid stuff that you kind of beat yourself up on. And, and so, yeah, how do you, how do you change that dialogue? How do you, the, I'm at the point now where I recognize the dialogue and I hear it and then I, I go, okay, don't do that. But then I need to come back with the compassion piece of like, mm, no big deal. Try again. Right. So it's, it's being conscious of it. You know, we're so, we're so ingrained in us, right? Years oh. and years of hearing those voices to switch the dialogue is hard. I mean, it takes uh, work and, you know, paying attention to it and really being aware of it to, to stop it and change it. Right. It, I think, like we were saying last week, I think it was last week, that Jung says you can't heal that from which you can't separate. Mm -hmm. And so that is the biggest 
thing. Yep. And I might offer some ideas from Francis Weller, who I always quote, as to how to come through with compassion. But I will say that the separation is very, it's great. It's awesome, Ellie, that you are seeing that and hearing the difference because I really think that we can go, as people, we can go decades hearing the same thing. Like the amount of times that I have heard a repeated comment about, let's say, my hair, because that was a comment that I took on board when I was a child. And it doesn't matter how, how happy I am with my hair, what a great haircut it is. Almost every day, if I am not really careful to separate it out, that is such a familiar chant in my head yeah. about how, how, the, how it's a terrible hair. I have terrible hair or something like that. When really, in all honesty, it's, it has to do with just finding someone who knew how to work with my own ethnic hair. Yeah. And it's actually, this is a side note, but for anyone who listened to Arian Resnick's episode, she really inspired me to have someone of my own ethnicity look at my hair. And I went to oh, a cool. Japanese, a, yeah, a Japanese salon with a very artistic person. And I have learned so much more about my hair than I had in a uh, decade or like my whole life, really. Yeah. Yeah. But nonetheless, you know, somewhere along the line, I, I made those comments be true. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it wouldn't matter what my hair looked like. It would just be in my head. Oh, your hair is really unmanageable. Yeah. It, it doesn't look very good today. It never looks good. And you don't even question it. It's so familiar. And it's so you, not true. <laughs> right, right, right. But you, do, you, you took it on board when you as were a, a small as a, child. as a truth, yeah. Yes, and you didn't question it. And so... And you took it ahead. on from an authoritative figure. I think that's part of the problem with these this dialogue is we took it on from things teachers or parents or people who were teaching us or in, in some sort of authority figure. We took on those comments and we just internalized them and made them true when they're made not true. true. We made, made them, them true. true. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And or from other kids because mm-hmm. yeah. we really valued our peers', peers. comments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were authoritative also in a sense. They they dictated what was cool. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. don't want to be on the outside. Right. And so, you know, we, we really internalize them, like you said. And so anyway, no, the knowing that we do that and then questioning what did what did we make it mean? Yeah. And is it really true? Because as you said, you know, if you're looking at yourself, oh, I parked in the wrong spot. We all know how benign that is. I mean, there's nothing in this whole world that would ever cause you to think of someone differently if that happened, right? Yeah, so dumb. But, it, but yeah, it's, and it is in the sense that it's so untrue. Yeah. And it's not dumb in the sense that inside of us is a wounded young person. Right, right. Who really believed it. Right. And so one one thing that Francis Weller, back to Francis, one thing that Francis would say is if you can separate and notice that is the young part of us, the young part of you, I'll I'll just use this particular example for, for fun, but the young part of you would be like, oh no, you parked in the wrong spot. You know, mom's not going to think you're perfect. Mm-hmm. And and then Allie, I don't know if you can go back to your real young mindset and picture this really 
adorable young Allie. And when she was afraid, when her mom or her dad was upset or critical or, you know, yelled when you were hurt or something, I don't know if you can remember or see her. What did she think in that minute? Well, you know, as a young child, you're just so influenced or mm. just when when people say those things, they seem so big, right? When you're little. Yes. They yes. just seem big, like, wow, I, I really messed up, you know. I've done some of that inner child work, which is fab, fabulous work to do. And if you can find a, even a photo of yourself yes, in those, yes. those little years and look at that face and say, what would I say to that little girl now? You exactly. Know? Because I think, I think that work is really healing. And you realize that our parents did the best they could with what they totally. knew. They had yes. no, there were no classes. There was nothing about people's feelings and all, you know, they just did the best they could. So, you know, we all are we, like, and, I think and the I, things I've said to people, me too, or the things I've yeah. said to my children, you know, yeah. God, I yeah. hope you don't have to be in therapy your whole life. But I tried hard not to do the, no. the same things. But you know, I, you know, we're not we're not perfect. So no one is so, back to that idea. No, back to that perfect thing. Yeah, back yeah. to that. But no you one know, is. But yeah, if you can go back to that little girl, tell her, you know, she was fine just the way she was and she made mistakes and that was okay because learning learning from your mistakes is the greatest thing you know it's what we're supposed to do in this world and it's how we get success is by learning and failing and learning and failing it's the getting back up part and the trying the next part so to circle back to the unstuck part <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know because it's yeah. the perfection for me that i know holds me back it's the fear the fear of failing and the not wanting to make a mistake and trying to reach that crazy bar, but just doing it anyway, right? Just, just, just do it anyway. Take an action. See what happens. If you fail, okay, just tweak it. Go on to the next thing, right? Yeah, I think it's an interplay of deep inner child work and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, also mm -hmm. moving through. But Allie, you know, just for example, for the listener, I wonder if you can just say what the young, from your inner child work, what the young girl was thinking like, oh when 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 something bad when, was said to her yeah yes yeah that yes. i must be bad like i must be bad mm. inherently a bad person like i i'm not i'm not good and i need to i i always wanted to to make that right like i always wanted to fix that you know and and go the extra to to not be bad and that was the trying to be perfect thing that was the Oh, I don't want to do, I don't want to get in trouble for that again. I, I'm going to be even better and I'm not going to get in trouble for that again. I'm going to be better, you know, so. Yes. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's that little child can be, it's just like you said, they're little sponges. Like they just take in so much. And when those harsh things are said to them, and I think of children that are like in hugely abusive situations and I just can't even imagine what they must be saying to themselves because I wasn't in an abusive relationship with anyone. I just had parents that were tough. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so I don't know. Well, no, thank you so much for, for sharing that perspective because I think what it does is it helps us to see that it came from a very sweet 
place Mm -hmm. and a very innocent, pure Mm -hmm. intention. Mm -hmm. And so when those things come up, whether it's parking in the wrong space, you know, something silly, oh, my hair or whatever, and or when you're wanting to create something that you know your clients will really benefit from, but you get start, you know, playing solitaire. And I'm like (laughs) on TikTok trying to play my guitar from last time. Anyways, this when I think this is a little bit of the little place that I think we can shift. It's noticing, like you said, and then instead of going, oh my gosh, you know, what's wrong and forcing our way through it. Yes, we're going to move, move through it. But if we can just go, okay, who's present right now is the girl or the young person, you know, whatever, any gender, but what's present right now for you in, let's say, that situation is the young girl who thought, oh, no, I'm bad. And children make it, can make it so foundational, so like as part of our own identity of being good or bad or lovable. Yes, yes. And so that's, I think, why it carries such a gravitas. We know in our adult minds that it's benign, but the inside reaction is one of great gravitas. And so if we can, instead of being, because I know I do this, as soon as I hear my talk, I'm like, stop it, you know, (laughs) stop it. Don't, don't, yeah. But that's almost in essence saying to that young, young girl again, stop it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, she's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Instead, it's, if we can be more curious and accepting, more warm, mm-hmm. more assuring, mm-hmm. and give her, like you were saying, everything she didn't get at the time. I learned something early on when we were raising our children that uh, I felt was hugely beneficial to the way we raised our kids. And, and, and that was when they did do something wrong or bad or that something they weren't supposed to be doing. We would say to them, I don't like what you did but I still love you. So it was separating the act from the person. Like I will Mm. always love you, you, the person. I don't necessarily like what you're doing over here. (laughs) This isn't good. Teasing your little (laughs) brother or whatever. (laughs) But, But I love you. That was just such a light bulb moment for me because I never felt the separation as a child. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like when I was getting in trouble, they didn't love me. Exactly. So that separation is just huge, separating the act. Because kids make mistakes and you have to discipline children for bad actions. But separating the action from the person was just huge for me. So I, I think even as adults, when we have our worth more solid and we're not leaning up against some passing accomplishment and we can really sense this intrinsic value, we are also freer to own our mistakes Mm -hmm. and to apologize Mm -hmm. because we've separated our own imperfect actions from our worth. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important as adults as well. I don't see people apologizing for actions. It seems like it's seen as a weakness or something now. And I think it's like a huge strength to like be able to recognize it and apologize for it. And I just see the opposite in the world right now. And I, I don't get it. It's very confusing to me. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's a I whole just, other podcast. 
<laughs> yeah, thanks for, thanks yeah, for opening sorry. up. It's a small topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I guess it circles right back to the idea of imperfection mm-hmm. and how we can be imperfect and love each other so well. So yeah. anyway, yeah. thank you, Allie, so oh. much. It's been so amazing doing oh. these episodes with you. Always, always so fun to work with you, Sauce. I love the way we talk and where we go. We never know where we're going to go. And it's just so good. I love it so much. Me too. So, okay. Where is the best place for people to connect with you? Because you will be having a coaching program coming down the I line. I will be. I definitely do. I already I have one. I already have really one. I'm excited for, about it, actually. I already have one for intermittent fasting. If you're interested in learning about intermittent fasting, I already have a program for that. It's a. It's more of a support type ongoing program. So my, you can find me at allisonmscott.com or on Instagram or Facebook at Lifestyled by Allison with one L. So. And you can find me at my website at lorisase.com, L-O-R-I-S-A-S-E. And I do individual coaching. And then also, Rafaela Brown and I have a group coaching thing that's coming down the pike in the coming months. So Cool. Yeah, wow. we are so, so excited about it. I want to do and that. <laughs> yes. We, I, we can coach each other on yeah, different things. We, yeah. And Instagram at lorisase. So... If this episode might help someone, please pass it along or share it in your stories or anywhere. And we'd love to reach the people that might benefit. So, all right, everyone. Thank you again, Allie. Bye, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. 